did I say that on air? Did I say that off air? Where 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 did I say that? When did I when did I give off that little bit of information that I'm thinking about in my head? I, I went to my uh, my golf lesson earlier today. Good people over there, Golf Tech Jeff, my guys. You know, he's he's always he's tuning in. He's 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 keeping track of me, keeping tabs of me. And he goes, he goes, oh yeah, I was tuning in last night, and and he wanted to talk about Deshaun Watson and the discussion we were all having. You can still use the Odyssey Rewind. I'm sure it's still up. We also put it out there in uh, 923thefan.com slash overtime with Jonathan Peterlin. I'm just making up websites now, but there's a page. I promise you there's a page with my name on it somewhere on that website, and you can go click on it, and you can check it out. And and he wanted to, like, get the input on it, and I, I was I was going back and forth in my head. I'm like, I say that on air, or did I just... Did I, did I tell somebody that off the air? Like, what, what, what point did I make that I want? If I want to give you the 30 second clip of this, what point was I trying to really hammer home relative to it all? Because for this type of stuff, it is, we turn the page, we turn the page. I can't be thinking about yesterday's stuff. We turn the page. We got to keep this thing moving. It, it, it almost works best for me that way too. I got to have a, you know, Ted Lasso's like memory of a goldfish. I, I have a good memory in life, but I gotta have a memory of a goldfish with my own takes. Or else you just hear Monday's takes over and over and over again. And by the time we get to Friday, you'd be like, we get it. You like Joe Flacco. We understand. We've heard the analogy with your little brother and Gus Johnson 12 times already. Please, can you do another one? Like, yeah, okay, all right, we'll get there. It's a good, it's a blessing and a curse. Uh, I got Mac here for a little bit, and then we're gonna do a line change, and then Michael Bone will be back in his spot. I bring that up only because I've been doing this dieting thing, as I've been telling you guys. I've been going through, and I've been eating a lot of protein shakes. I've been eating healthy. I got a couple days before I go on vacation for a week, and I have no idea how it's going to go then. So I really have to make sure that I'm good leading up to then. And then Mac and I just spent the entire last hour talking about food across the country. Not like food in Cleveland, but like food across the country. I mentioned how I used to live in Houston. And I gave him a couple spots in Houston that when he goes for the Texans game on December 24th, that I recommended that he should get. A little spot named Chachos. Now, I noticed Mac didn't write down the suggestions that I had, and it made me feel a little bad about my recommendation because you probably should have taken a note or two. But I also I also worried that I don't really want you to go there either because I can't handle giving off the recommendation and then you not enjoying the recommendation. But I think it's a slam dunk. See, and like any, any Tex-Mex, I mean, clearly you... That's you, it. You know me, especially. You know where I frequent. So, yeah, I'll absolutely. <laughs> I do know where you frequent. I'll, I'll absolutely. You made it sound really sketchy, but I promise <laughs> you guys it's not. He's not got some, like, no. backdoor Tex-Mex spot in Cleveland no. that he goes through, and he just hands someone, slides over a 20, and they give him the goods like it's uh, some sort of drug <laughs> or something. No, I love me some Tex-Mex, though, so I'd take any and all recommendations for sure. All right, get used to saying chachos, okay? Okay, it's I'll not the world's, chachos. Listen, it's not the world's greatest food when it comes to... Um, uh, you're going to think to yourself, like, oh, I need some place that I can spend a bunch of money. And it seems like that. No, no, no. This is this is it's going to be it's going to be cost effective. It's going to be as authentic as it gets. And it's going to be awesome. And I also really kind of highly recommend that you do it while drunk. Okay. I, if you can if you can save this one for while you're a little tipsy on this road trip. OK, that would be ideal. They're open till like six in the morning. OK, I'm in. Yeah, it's sold. Yes. Chachos. At one point, I had uh, friends of mine that came in, and because I kept telling them chachos the entire time, we we got in the Uber when they came and visited us, and we just started screaming chachos. And it was like it became like a chachos chant that we had until we actually got the all-glorious, mighty chachos that is a couple blocks away from the stadium. And, oh, oh, so actually, here's 
Here's the, the drunk part of that story that I forgot. We were in the Uber. So, so my friends came. They're not from Houston. And obviously I was living in Houston at the time. And I just kept talking up chachos and they were doing this chachos chant. And there's like four different chachos locations in Houston. The Uber driver took us to the wrong chachos, not the chachos. That's like we pick it up. And then my my apartment was two blocks away. They took us to the one that was like 40 minutes away from my house. That was the same 20 minute destination. And so we got the chach. I got to the, the restaurant. And I'm like, this ain't my chachos. I was about to say, I just I, I did the Google search on it. And there's three locations. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. one? Which there's one? one right near the stadium. Okay, right, right near the stadium. It's right near the stadium. Yeah, you're gonna see it on the highway probably as you go to the stadium. Okay, it's right near the stadium. You can't miss it unless you're drunk and then you tell chachos to the Uber driver mm-hmm. and you put chachos in and then they go to the wrong one. Got it. Oh man. Okay. That was- that's flashbacks to some bad times. Those are some champagne problems, though, is getting drunk and taking the Uber to the wrong chachos. That's champagne problems of the highest order. You're going to love it, though. Tex-Mex, if you're ever in Houston, that's the way to go. People tell you barbecue all the time. The barbecue there is good. It's good. I'm not going to say it's bad. It's good. Barbecue there, though, isn't nearly as special as the Tex-Mex is. All right. Anyway. We had a big show planned today. We got Daryl Ryder, as we always do, at nine o'clock. Nine o'clock for Daryl Ryder. Uh, we have a Cavs game. That's a blowout right now, so you got a good spot to be in. We will keep you up to date on anything in that game, but the game is basically over already. So you got the right spot, and you're exactly where you need to be. Cavs basketball. I'm not saying it's done for the evening. We'll talk about it when it's over. But they're in a really good spot, up twenty in the moment. What I want to ask you guys is whether or not we've seen the best version of Joe Flacco yet. Have we seen the best of Joe Flacco already? There's reason to believe that he's going to get better. There were a lot of deep throws, and some of them he did overthrow, right? It hadn't crossed my brain that his arm had been stronger because of the time off. But I was listening into uh, PFF does their, like, review shows, and I've never actually watched a review show. I'll, I'll lay it straight out, though. When I do these Sunday morning shows, the pregame shows where I'm on there for four hours, On Sunday mornings, I am going through and I'm trying to find every preview under the sun. I am reading everything, which is weird because, you know, I talk about it five hours a night for five days a week. I have a good handle on what the game's going to look like, but I do like to check in with other people just to see if they have a different angle on it. So, like, on this week, for instance, when we take on Jacksonville, on Sunday morning, I'll read Jacksonville newspapers and see what they're saying. I'll tune into Jacksonville radio and see what they're saying. And I'll also go around and I'll check out on YouTube some of the preview stuff. And week in, week out, PFF has a lot of good previews when it comes to these games. Now, the hard part is that Steve Palazzolo that, that does these is a volume shooter, right? So I have no idea how he does it. But when he previews every single game, he spends like three hours breaking down every game. He's not going to have it all right. So when I play this clip for you guys, understand this. Now, this is the review. This is him. They they do these afterwards as well, and I never never watch these things. I never do. But for some reason, I clicked on it this week, and I thought to myself, all right, we've watched the the previews for weeks on end. I got nothing to do right now. What's he got to say about the review? The very first thing he says I think is inaccurate, and I think you guys will think is inaccurate as well when it comes to Joe Flacco. But the rest of it is a thought. That, honestly, I hadn't heard. This is Steve Palazzolo, his thoughts of the game. Here we go. He has a deep ball, mm-hmm. and he overthrew it. Oof. I mean, that goes against his his the, the strongest right. play of his career. His arm was too rested. Too rested. He had too much 
rest. I mean, I saw some other people tweeting about, like, Flacco's arm looks good. Yeah. He had too much arm. Lively. Yeah. By the way, like, at the end of Flacco's starting run with, like, Denver and everything, his arm did not look good at all no. compared to early in the career. So he was almost too rested because he's the he's the king of the underthrown pass interference. You do not overthrow the deep ball. You're not giving your guy a chance to run into the defender and, you know, pick up a 40-50 yarder. Mm. So he overthrew the deep ball. Okay, a couple of things I need to clarify. You guys are waiting. You're like, what, what part do you disagree with? Nothing that he said sounded like he, I disagree with that at all. I caught off the very first part and completely forgot about it. Hand up. That's my bad. The very first part that he said was how Joe Flacco had overthrown passes on that first drive. That I disagree with. I thought the first drive he looked phenomenal, and I was very confused as to why Steve Palazzolo pinpointed that part. I removed it because I didn't want to confuse you guys, and now I've just confused you guys. The main point, though, that I want to emphasize and I want to focus in on is two things. The fact that Joe Flacco's arm, when Steve had most recently watched him, looked awful and now looks like it's been reborn. And then the other part of this equation is the idea that Joe Flacco is the king of the pass interference. And I really do believe if we focus in on what happened with that interception in the fourth quarter, in hearing that, I think it all becomes... As clear as clear as anything. What he was trying to accomplish in that moment is he was trying to throw the ball up deep and get the pass interference call. It wasn't that he was trying to make some miraculous play. It wasn't that he even thought a play was out there. But if you go back to Flacco's history, Steve is 100% right. Steve isn't the one that, or, or uh, sorry, Joe isn't the one that originated the throw the ball up deep, but under throw your receiver. So your receiver looks like he's coming back for it, rubs into the defender. And then that's defensive pass interference, first down, move the sticks, let's go. He's not the originator of that, but throughout the previous half decade, if somebody were to ask me going into this, what one trait would I give Joe Flacco above other quarterbacks in the NFL, that would be one of them. I also credit Tom Brady with the same thing as well. Tom Brady in his last two years in Tampa Bay pulled off that move more than any other quarterback I've ever seen not named Joe Flacco. It's the patented, we're getting rushed, we're going to throw it up there, we're going to make sure we underthrow it by a couple yards because the defense isn't looking at the ball anyway. By the time they turn around, everyone's going to backtrack and it'll be an obvious DPI. That's all Flacco was going for right there. But the fact that he had more mustard on it than Steve had seen in recent years and then what you guys had seen as well, it became pretty obvious. It was clear to everyone watching Joe Flacco's arm looked different than what you expected. Hell, Mac, you were in the building, weren't you? Yeah, I was in the booth. What'd you think? I That was the best first drive that I've seen all year. Strong arm? Yes. Strong arm, exactly. And I'm worried about the weather for this weekend, by the way, where it looks like you're going to need a quarterback, kind of like hitting your, your drives in golf. You know, everyone's like, oh, you go to Ireland, you're going to play Lynx golf, it's going to be great. And then you get there, I've not, I've not been, this is what people tell me. But you get there and it's windy and everything, it's like, well, who's got the best advantage in Ireland and Scotland? Uh, the guys that hit the ball low, not the guys that get it up in the wind and let the, the wind take over, the guys that get it low and drive it. Joe Flacco's ball is going to be low, it's going to be driven, it's going to have some speed and some mustard to it. I think that's a good thing. Now, I also think that would have helped out DTR as well. DTR at the Combine threw the ball 62 miles per hour. Only one that's been faster in Combine history. Combine history was Josh Allen. Something to think about if you're Kevin Stefanski. But the question I ask you guys, 216 to below 92. Have we seen the best of Joe Flacco already? 
Steve Palazzolo saying this is just more to come. But when you hear that and you think to yourself, maybe Flacco actually had so much arm because it had been rusted, it goes completely in contrast to what you believe when it comes to what we saw with Deshaun Watson. So I would imagine that's going to play with your guys' brains a little bit. I know it certainly played with mine. 216-474-0092. At Jay Peterlin on Twitter. Twitter reactions brought to you by our friends at Chauvin Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store. Take your phone calls and more when we come on back. It's overtime with Jonathan Peterlin here with you on the fan. I like to run a little bit in the morning. I do like a little half-hour run because, again, we're, we're eating better. We're running. We're trying to do things. And then as, I, as I'm as i sitting there and I'm playing with her and her toys, we always just put on sports things. She's going to be, I mean, she'll be, when she can start talking, I'll be surprised. Her first words are mommy and daddy. I'll be surprised if her third and fourth words aren't Joe Flacco or P.J. Walker. Oh, could you imagine if she came out and was like, P.J. Walker? No. Like, Baby, we need, to, we need to stop that one instantly. But we just sit there and watch sports things, and then we listen to the radio as well. So she... If she had a Spotify playlist, number one on her list would have been Ken and Anthony's morning show, okay? But we listen to a lot of things. We take in a lot of things. That's why my morning is spent. And I was on that YouTube. It wasn't a rabbit hole. I was just I was just on there because uh, I, I wanted to put on a golf video and, and maybe just kind of hang out for a couple minutes as I was getting her ready and, and doing things that way and, and feeding her and such. And and I saw, I, I always watch these guys with their re, uh, with their previews. I never watch the recaps. I was like, let's see what that, let's see what their perception of this was. I think it's a couple really good points out of Palazzolo. I love the defensive pass interference point because when I, if you were to tell me five years ago what I think the most about Joe Flacco, that's what I would have said. I would have said a couple things. I would have said one, in that playoff run where they went to the Super Bowl, he was a much better quarterback than anybody gives him credit for. Yeah, they got there with the run game and defense, but when Joe Flacco in that postseason, he turned into an MVP caliber quarterback. His pass rating was in like the 115, 120 range or something crazy. He was the best quarterback in football when he got to the playoffs. He always gave me hope for other quarterbacks and, and kind of gives me hope for this year too, that come postseason, you, your name might be Joe Flacco, but you can put the Halloween costume on and you can play like you're Patrick Mahomes for four games. You can play like you're Josh Allen for four games. Nobody has to know your name is Joe Flacco. That's what he did the first time he went to the Super Bowl and then won it. But I want to hear from you guys. 216-474-92. Have you seen, have we seen, the best of Joe Flacco already with one game? And the other point would be that defensive pass interference, though. The, the idea that that's what he does best. And I, and I thought with that six minutes left in the fourth quarter, I thought it when it happened... But there was nobody in the area enough for it to have made sense. But I did think that's what he was going for. I'll throw it up. I'll get the DPI. I'll throw it intentionally short. I'll get the DPI. And then we can keep the chains moving. And it'll be a big-time play in a big-time game. And it just didn't work. Obviously, it didn't work. John Johnson got the pick because he happened to be turned around. And he was tracking the ball because he's a good player. And that's what he does. But for the most part, that's not what NFL defenders are doing play in play out and Flacco had feasted on that for so many years for so many years I get a little giddy thinking about the idea that Flacco's arm looks so good I you know I listen to a lot of afternoon drive as well and and Nick kept making the point that in the previous couple years you get one good game a year out of Joe Flacco and I don't have arguments against that point that point is just factual there's nothing I can debate on that that's like hey is the sun hot yeah the sun is hot did Joe Flacco have one good game in each year for the previous two years? Yeah, that's really about all he put up. And, and I was thinking initially, 
Did we get that one game in the Los Angeles game? Because it was a really good game. Did we get that one game in that Los Angeles game? And what I came to is, if guys like Steve Palazzolo that break this film down and have really good memory of what Joe Flacco's football looked like the last time you'd seen Joe Flacco throw a football, basically he gave the insinuation that he was like one half of the Golden Girls out there, kind of like when Drew Brees was at the very end of his career, could barely throw the ball. You're like, oh, jeez. I remember that playoff game. It was Drew Brees versus Tom Brady. And between the two of them, I'm like, oh, God, what are we doing here? They're, I mean, this is this is a lot of ducks being thrown. This is not very good football. We look at it from that lens. Does that give you hope? Hope in the idea that time off is exactly what the doctor ordered for Joe Flacco. If I was unemployed out of radio for a year, like Flacco was, would I feel rejuvenated or just off? It's a risk. I think that depends on how you perceive your job. I love this job. I love doing this show. Flacco sounds like he loves playing football. It's probably a blast for him as well. I could see how mentally and physically he's probably Benjamin buttoning it. He is He's going in reverse as far as where his talents were and where they are now. But I don't know how long that lasts. The bet I would be making if I was the Browns was that he can pull off five-plus games and age won't come to get him the way it has gotten 99% of quarterbacks that have tried to play over the age of 38. At first I said over 40, but he's 38, and i got to be honest about it. He's 38. People act like he's a dinosaur. 38 could be the new 35 as far as we know. Drew Brees completed 72% of his passes when he was 38. When he was 40 is when he fell off a cliff. But at 38... Spry chicken. Although I looked at the, I looked it up earlier today. The amount of players that have started a game at age 38 or later this year in the NFL, there's four. One of them's Flacco. One of them's Rodgers, who got four snaps. And the other two was Brian Hoyer. There's not many, is the point. Two one six four seven four to below ninety two. I want to hear from you guys on this though. Have we seen the best of Joe Flacco already, or do you feel like what we saw on Sunday is what we're going to end up getting in the long term? And I, I just really hope what we saw on Sunday is what we're going to get in the long term. Jason and Avon going to lead us off here on the fan. Hello, Jason. Thank you, Jonathan. Um, exactly what I called in about. Um, I would love to hear some, you know, preliminary interviews with him talking about going from his backyard thrown to his kids to starting, you know, having a lot uh, to prove, not necessarily prove, but he, he was at the top of the game and then to get a second chance. I can't imagine anything more um, motivating than that. So as, as far as what you just alluded to, I don't think that's the best he's got. I think uh, he was probably coming in thinking he's got to be a, a game manager and the defense was lights out, and that apparently is not the case anymore. But I don't think he's uh, shown everything he's got. He's just getting to know these guys, and uh, I, I like what he's done. I don't know how you couldn't. So, anyway, the whole thing about the interviews, have you heard anything about how he feels in, like, a second birth? I haven't heard any, anything specifically to that. And, and thank you, Jason. I appreciate you. I'm going to elaborate a little bit more here. I haven't heard anything specifically to that. I would imagine that's got to be his thought process, though. Again, it's like me talking about being unemployed out of radio for a year. 
I, I, it's not a thing that's ever been in my life, but I imagine if this got taken away from me for a year and then I got another job, I'd be like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm going to be the hardest worker you've ever seen. Now I'm already a pretty hard worker, but I would be like, let's do this thing. I got to take advantage of this opportunity. And I think that's where he's at as well. Now he's in a little bit of a different situation for a lot of obvious reasons, but I think the parallels do exist. What I find fascinating is the idea that he came in here thinking he'd be a game manager. I don't believe that's true at all, and I think it's evidenced by what we saw. Now, the question I wish we could ask Kevin Stefanski, and one of my questions that I wondered yesterday did get asked today in the press conference. It got asked by our Browns insider, Daryl Ryder, because I asked it to him last night, and he said, I'll ask them tomorrow. And then he actually did it and has made the rounds. So we'll talk to Daryl about that when he joins us at 9 o'clock. Good job out of you, Daryl. If I can get him to ask this question. Did they go into the game thinking that Joe Flacco was going to be the guy that set the record in the Kevin Stefanski era for the most passes in a single game, throwing the ball 10 yards or further down the field? Did it more times than any other Browns quarterback? He did it, he did it more than Baker has. He did it more than Brissett has. He's done it more than Deshaun Watson ever did in the game. Ten-plus yard throws in a single game. He had the most in the Kevin Stefanski era in that game on Sunday. Was that the game plan for Stefanski? Or was it really trying to be game manager, and then they had the first opening drive, and then Stefanski took the golden handcuffs off and said, all right, Buckle up, let's do it. You got a good arm today. You look good. Let's take advantage of it. I'd be dying to know that answer. I would imagine that Stefanski said, you do you, Joe Flacco. And that involves throwing the ball down the field because they watched him throw in practice and they knew he still had some zip to it the same way we saw him have some zip to it in the actual game itself. This isn't a DTR situation where he got to throw the ball five yards if he was lucky on any given play. I just don't believe it to be true. Two one six four seven four double O ninety two. And I don't know that Joe Flacco would have signed up for that idea either. Now this weekend might be a little bit different because this weekend Jacksonville's not very good at stopping the run. And last weekend, Jerome Ford had nine carries for nineteen yards. He wasn't really lighting it up on the ground, so you're kind of forced to to throw the ball with Flacco a little bit more. Maybe that flips for this weekend. We're going to have dangerous winds. We're going to have a bunch of rain out there, apparently. I'm already getting worried about what's going to happen with my tailgate on West 6. I don't know, guys. We had some great tailgates this year. We had some great weather for these tailgates. I'm getting a little nervous about the weather for Sunday because you're going to hit me with a combination of really cold, really windy, really wet, and sit out there and broadcast for four hours. Uh. No bueno. I don't. I don't like that one at all. Two one six four seven four double zero ninety two. Kyle and Kent up next. What's up, Kyle? JP, how you doing, brother? What's up, Kyle? Uh, not much. Uh, one of two things. Um, I love that. You, I love baseball. And I love that you love baseball. Uh, it's hilarious. The tribe got the <laughs> the Guardians got the number one pick, and you're in town. It's beautiful. Uh, I'll, I'll, what are your thoughts on that? I think they need to go hitting. If they go pitching, I'm going to be disappointed because we don't. They don't know how to develop hitters. They know how to develop pitchers. So if they go, if they go pitching, I'm going to be upset because they can make anyone a great pitcher. But they need to go for the guy that can hit 35 homers a year because they they just they've shown me they don't know how to do that. I would lose my mind. I would lose my mind if they if they like last year's draft pick, um, the one Instagram girl's boyfriend. That's how <laughs> popular he is. But you got 10 million 
$1,000 signing bonus. From, is that, uh, that Livy Dunn, Dunn's Dunn. boyfriend, I think? The one out of Vanderbilt? Yeah, 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 yeah. We, we had. Don't tell, you, don't tell your wife that. Uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's got to be it's got to be a power hitter, right? Obviously. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, we're all baseball analytic guys here. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, we 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 need a power hitter. They've not developed one. Yeah. Um, it's 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 it, it, the whole thing's kind of sad that you know Brad Paisley. Uh, I mean, I'm 35. I mean, he was semi relevant. You I'm know, 34. Yeah. 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 He he made the whole thing relevant. Uh, announced the thing at 2 p.m. I mean, that shows you where his career is, but he's still sell out Brown Stadium. He is a Browns fan. Uh, yeah, Joe Flacco. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, he's a Browns fan. I remember watching Well, he's uh, kind of like Baker a. And, uh, I always thought he was a faux Browns fan, if I'm going to be honest about it. I know who the real Browns fans are. I always thought he was a faux Browns fan. I didn't think he was a real Browns fan. Yeah, I don't think he uh, his his fake tan. Really I think it's when it's convenient. I think it's when it's yeah. convenient. He's like, oh, the Browns are my football team. But I don't. I don't think he's like every Sunday going to Browns backers clubs and making sure that he's always got the Browns game on. I just don't get that vibe. But anyway, what do you got on Joe Flacco? Not to. I like Brad Paisley. I, I, he's fine. I just you know whatever. Uh, do you ever do you ever see? You might be too young. Do you ever see? Uh, We're the same age. Trailer Park Boys. We're the same yeah, age. Right. <laughs> Actually, no, I haven't. I, I'm very aware of it, but no, I haven't. We can't. <laughs> you didn't know he meant the swear word there, did you? That's not. I didn't think. He, <laughs> I didn't need him to spell it out for me. <laughs> I just, I just said that the the expression still works if you say. A tiger doesn't change its stripes. Yeah, but then it's not a Trailer Park Boys quote. I know, I know, I know. That's what I missed there. Am I missing something with that show? Is there? I mean, I know Ken likes that show a lot. Am I? It's pretty funny. Okay. I wouldn't. I, I'm not like really. I, I don't watch it religiously, but I've okay. seen some episodes, and it is. It's pretty funny. I'm sure I'd like it. I watch a lot of TV, as you know, but that's just not one I've ever I've ever given a chance. I never gave that one a chance. I don't know why I never gave that one a chance. I think it was I think it was because by the time I was aware of it, it was already like six seasons in. And I think they they had like twelve or something already at this point, right? But it was like six seasons in, and that it just that's too many seasons for me to play catch up with. I can't. I'm sorry, I can't do that. I, I there was one opportunity in life where I got to kind of catch up on TV shows, and that was during the pandemic. When I went back and I rewatched, and forgive me, Trailer Park Boys didn't make this list. I watched The Departed in full. I watched Breaking Bad in full. And I watched The Sopranos in full. Because those were the three major shows that people loved that I had not experienced. And so we watched, me and my wife went back, we watched all, every episode of all three of those series. And The Last Dance, and that was about it during the pandemic, right? And I, unless another pandemic happens, I think after like 12 years, I don't know that the Trailer Park Boys is going to come back in my life. The thing with that show is I don't think that you need to have seen every episode to appreciate a good one. Oh, good. So there's not like a there's not a plot. It's kind of like uh, watching a King of the Hill episode where you get like one episode and, and you can laugh and just enjoy it and then just kind of move forward. I was shown it by a friend and we just sentence. jumped right in. Um, and you know right. like. Once you have a feel for the characters and you know them by name and stuff, it's, right. it's pretty easy to follow. It can always be like how I watch Parks and Recreation. 
I started watching Parks and Rec on season four, and I didn't I didn't watch season one up to season four. I started on season four, and then I liked it, and so I went back, and then I like watched the beginning, and I'm like, oh, oh, none of this makes sense for the characters at all. He dated her, like it was weird, like it was weird. Chris Pratt got fat. What happened? No. Uh, two one six four seven four double ninety two on Twitter. You can find me. I'm at JP. Have we seen the best of Joe Flacco already? And is this one a must win? What one analyst told Afternoon Drive earlier today. It's overtime with Jonathan Peterman here with you on the fat. And I, I showed you guys numerous instances of people having a year off and still being good. I brought up Michael Vick. Michael Vick went to Leavenworth, came back out of there, and uh, made the Pro Bowl. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes shaking off the rust isn't, it doesn't take as much as people think. I feel like in this instance, though, if you are somebody that has been playing the game as long as Joe Flacco has, you can throw routes in your sleep. You know how to quarterback. If you hadn't been doing it as long, someone like Deshaun Watson, maybe, just maybe, you can make the case. Deshaun Watson only in the NFL for four years. You're like, all right, that's way different than being in the NFL for 15 years. Maybe he would lose a step. Maybe he wouldn't be as good here, there. And I didn't buy into that, by the way. I'm just trying to play a little devil's advocate against myself. But I just, I look at Joe Flacco, and that man, his arm got rejuvenated. Time off was good for him. He's 38, which I know isn't necessarily 28. He's 38, which is not 45 either, though. He's still young enough that he should be able to sling it. And what you saw in that first game, I feel like, is what you're going to see moving forward. I love the idea that he had so much adrenaline, but he also had so much pop in his throws that he was overthrowing players. And that was part of the reason why some of the throws were maybe just a little off. And he's like, wait, I got I got this much power now? It's kind of like if you... You take off golf for uh, like a month and a half or two months or so, and then you try to go out there and you try to dial in your wedges, and you're like, oh, no, I'm 10 yards short everywhere. It's like, well, yeah, you haven't done it in a month and a half or two months. Sometimes you turn back around, you fix your grip or something, and then you're going at 10 yards past. You're like, okay, I got I got to fix it. I got to dial it in a little bit. That That is something I do think having a year off can be a difference maker. Got a little stronger. Hit the ball a little farther. Got a little stronger. His arm got stronger. He throws the ball a little bit farther than what he would have thought, which honestly is it's surprising coming from him, the king of the defensive pass interference play where you throw the ball short, you let the defender run into the receiver as the receiver is coming back, you get the DPI, you get the first down, and you move the chains. It gives me hope is all I'm saying. I think the worry a lot of people had out there was that Flacco would get the one good game like he had last year. That last year, the game against the Browns where he threw for 300 yards and four touchdowns, he'd get one good game, and then he'd go back uh, backwards. And we'd be seeking out that one good game like a druggie seeking out that first high over and over and over again. Chasing that feeling of seeing him look like that again can be dangerous. And that's why if I was the Browns, I wouldn't name him starter for the rest of the year quite yet. If I had to guess based off of what we've seen with Kevin Stefanski and based off of what Kevin Stefanski has done in recent weeks when it comes to quarterback uh, and naming the quarterback for the weekend, tomorrow's the day that he'll come out and say Joe Flacco's our starter. But he would be wild and, and really kind of crazy if he came out and said Joe Flacco's the guy for the rest of the year. But I like what I'm hearing so far about Joe Flacco. And I think there's some trepidation in there from guys like Kevin Stefanski and why he's not just completely turning it over to DTR because 
He saw what he liked, and he saw how good it was the way we all saw it was. But there is that thing in the back of his mind where he's wondering to himself, how much of this is real? How much of this is something that, that we can bank on? Two one six four seven four to below 92. Ross Tucker on earlier today. I'll play a couple clips from him. The first one on the decision that is likely going to happen in Joe Flacco getting the call this weekend. I think it should be Flacco. I'm not ready to say the rest of the way. I think it's a weekly basis because, you know, he might come out and play like crap this week. And if that's the case, then I probably would go back to DTR. But based on what I saw, it really is amazing to watch him throw for over 250 and two touchdowns and, like, see the guys that the Jets have been trotting out every week or some of the other teams. For Flacco to just step in and play like that, definitely Flacco in my mind. I figured it out. Have Flacco start, but have a package for DTR where he can run in certain situations. Bang. You're Welcome, Stefanski. That was the perfect Ross Tucker way of doing that. Bang! You're welcome, Stefanski. My Ivy League education's got you there. Oh, wait, you have one, too. It's Ivy League on Ivy League crime. I love the idea of having DTR involved in some way. I really do. I think that would be wise of them to have him involved in some way, make sure that he does have some plays, especially with the way the weather is going to be. And we talked about not just the run game that DTR can offer up, but also the fact that if it is rainy and if the winds are as high as we think they're going to be, and I, I was I haven't checked in to see. I'm no, I'm no Al Roker. Although people tell me when Al Roker was in Cleveland doing weather, everyone knew he was just awesome. I love that about Al Roker. Uh, yeah, Al, Al's going to be a star. There's just no question about it. Sometimes you're like, oh, that guy became a star. He was in Cleveland and he became a star. Had no idea. No idea that was going to happen. That's Al Roker. It's like, oh, yeah, no, everybody knew. Everybody knew he was great. I'm no Al Roker, okay? I can't. I, I didn't check and see what the, the mile per hour is going to be on the winds. I don't know if it's going to be like uh, that game a couple years ago where they wouldn't land airplanes at Burke next door because they're like, it's just it's too windy. We can't do it. Yet the Browns are out there playing a game and, and having quarterbacks throw 35 times. I don't know if it's one of those games. What I do know, though, is that they, it would be smart to have something for DTR and something for him to contribute. And in these little moments, if he doesn't rise to the occasion, it just solidifies and stamps down why you went to Joe Flacco. And if he does start to look good and then Flacco does start to look bad, then maybe you think to yourself, OK, we can consider some things. But if you made me bet right now, do I think it'll be Flacco for the rest of the season or do I think at some point we'll go back to DTR and we're going to do this back and forth thing? I would bet on it being Flacco for the rest of the year. Two one six four seven four to below ninety two. Here's a clip we'll probably play on the pregame show as I'll be out and about on West Six dealing with the the cold and the rain and the wind. And the beautiful thing about that is that I know you guys are still going to show up. I know it because you guys always do, and I love you for it. Sometimes I'm like. The dedication attached to this fan base is on another level because when I lived in Houston, for instance, they wouldn't show up to these games. And they're they're indoors, but they wouldn't tailgate for these ones. It's incredible to me. Although Houston didn't have this cold of weather with the winds and the rain, but it can get brutal every now and then. Here's Ross on whether or not the Browns need to win this game. They have to win this game, guys. I don't think Lawrence is going to play. I'm pretty confident it's going to be C.J. Beathard. You cannot lose at home in 25-mile-an-hour wins 
to C.J. Beathard. Can't happen. Just like the Jags really could not lose Monday night to a backup quarterback, although give Jake Browning a lot of credit, he played pretty awesome, actually. The Browns can't lose it. And I know the Browns have a backup quarterback, too. But this is just a game. You know, they've lost a couple in a row now. Like, they got her two out of the whatever it is, the last three. Like, they got to win this game. I agree. And I, I thought this game, I thought there was a couple games the rest of the year I thought were kind of like bonus games. Because I'm convinced we're going to win the Bears game. I'm convinced we're going to win the Jets game. I don't know about the Bengals game because Jake Browning looks really good. Hopefully by the time we get there, he comes crashing down back down to earth just a little bit. I don't know about the other two. I, really, I just truthfully don't. The bonus games in my mind was the Texans game and this Jacksonville game. Where if you win either one of those, then we're playing with a little bit more of house money. Because I don't think we're expected to win either one. We're not the Vegas favorite, at least if Trevor Warren starts in this Jacksonville game. And even with Tank Dell being on the IR, the, the, the young, really solid rookie receiver for Houston that has paired up with C.J. Stroud in such a magnificent way, even with Tank Dell being on the injured reserve, I don't think we're favorites against Houston either. Not in Houston. I really don't. So those two I feel like are they're bonus games in a way. If we win them, it solidifies the postseason, and if we lose them, well, we got that baked in as well. I think this week would be huge. I definitely do. Hey, guys, start up your game day with the Bud Light Tailgate Show. We've been talking about it. Wake up with Spencer German at 7. Get down to West 6 as myself, Jonathan Peterlin, starts the party at 9 o'clock. Daryl Ryder going to handle all the news at Cleveland Brown Stadium. Always make the Bud Light Tailgate. Part of your game day on the radio home of the Cleveland Browns, 92.3 The Fan, presented by Valley Automotive Group, the Buckeye Law Group, and Sal's Heating and Cooling, Plumbing and Sewer. Get details on our website, 92.3TheFan.com. Daryl Ryder, our Browns insider, insider, with the latest on the defense, as well as Joe Flacco. He joins us next. It's overtime with Jonathan Peterlin here with you on The Fan.